0: Welcome to Overcoming Distractions, the podcast, how to stay focused in business and in life. Each week we interview successful people and experts in a variety of industries, all in an effort to keep you focused on growing your business and career and thriving in life. Distractions are the enemy of greatness, so let's minimize those distractions and set your sights on success. Our topics include money, productivity, developing routines and new habits, And we also have episodes on how to thrive in this world if you're an adult with ADHD. Stay focused, people, and let's get moving. Here's our host, author of the popular book, Overcoming Distractions, Dave Greenwood. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Overcoming Distractions, and this time we are talking about how workplace conflict uh, creates massive distractions in any size organization. And this week we have Carol Marzouk. She is the executive lion tamer. I'm going to let her explain what that means. But she goes into organizations around the country and helps with workplace conflict. And she helps people get along and get on the same page and row in the same direction. So, uh, if you've ever been in an organization where people aren't getting along, then you'll know exactly what we're talking about, and she's got some great insight and some great tips for getting an organization back on track. So, we're going to chat with her in just a second. Uh, before I do, I just want to let you know how to find me. Uh, you can reach me at overcomingdistractions.com, and you can also find me at David A Greenwood. Dot com And you can find out more about what I do when I'm not chatting with people like Carol. So uh, let's go chat. Okay, we are back. It is Overcoming Distractions, the podcast. And as I mentioned in my introduction, uh, we talk about all different kinds of distractions, whether it's a crisis in your business, time management, uh, marketing uh, being a distraction lately and not knowing where to go. Uh, but there's also many other forms of distractions. And one of them is workplace conflict. And I have Carol Marzuk, who is the executive lion tamer. I'm going to have her explain what that means in a minute of leadership and soul. And uh, I met Carol back uh, a few weeks ago at a meeting. And I thought this would be a great topic. For overcoming distractions. So, welcome, Carol.
1: Thank you so much, David. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I think this is something people probably might not at first understand as a distraction. So, we're going to kind of get into that in a moment. But I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, the business, and some of the problems that you solve. I know you do more than just workplace conflict, but I know that's one of your areas of expertise. So, take it away and let people know who you are. (laughs)
1: Thank you so much, David. So yeah, I I actually was born in Mexico City, and the fifth of five girls. And you can imagine the conflict in the house with five women or five girls, and uh, my parents, you know, and me being the youngest, I I was constantly in some sort of a situation where it was either resolve this conflict or something bad's going to happen. <laughs> so, one time my sisters even uh, wanted to see if my stroller would fly outside the ninth, you know, if, if, they, if they threw it outside the ninth story window with me in it. And um, so, <laughs> you know, it was a matter of survival to figure out really how to resolve conflict and to, and to, wow. yes, yes. That's just one of many stories. I'm surprised I'm still here really. Um, <laughs> I was <gonna> say that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, growing up in in that world where, you know, the, the values in Mexico city in my family, we very conservative, religious family and then the values when we came to the U S um, and more of my, the American side of my family, my dad's family, uh, you know, was a constant struggle and, and constant trying to figure out the common ground and figuring out, you know, what works for everyone involved. Uh, and also still furthering my goals, because my parents didn't want me to go to college. Um, they, you know, they wanted me to get married at 16. and And so I had to go to I went to UCLA two years before they even knew that I went, and um, and by the end of the four years, you know, they they were finally on board. But it was it was tough having to to um, learn those lessons in a in a way that uh, really really showed me how quickly you can destroy a relationship and and how long it takes to rebuild it. So um, I, I decided to dedicate my life. Um, to helping others do that and then incorporate of course you know being with and around executives who say one thing and do another uh mm-hmm. it, you know it was it was really it was really difficult because here i am you know helping them lead and um and seeing them say all of these wonderful things about how what a great leader they are and then and then doing the exact opposite and so you know, it became a passion of mine to make sure that nobody has to experience some of the things that I experienced with some of these executives that literally are, you know, trying to bring you down because of their own insecurities or because they feel uh, that they, you know, there's not enough for everyone. There's not enough success for everyone. So they're going to try to bring you down instead of elevating other people. They feel like it's a me or you kind of situation. Right. Um, right and and when they don't feel comfortable in their own skin or in their own role that creates a lot of insecurity and it and and it creates a lot of toxicity for everybody that reports into them and that's the primary reason why people leave their job
0: hmm. so it sounds like you bring a street smart approach into this okay. <laughs> all, all the way from your childhood then
1: <laughs> yes yes I'm very passionate about it if I didn't get paid to do it I would still do it because it's so important to me
0: oh well, that's great that's great we were talking offline before we hit the record button about personal passions so that's great that you can actually do something that you really feel good and feel that you provided value when you walk out the door so yeah. So you mentioned one or two little scenarios there, but um, talk to us about some of the main reasons you see uh, that are kind of the causes of workplace conflict or where where does it kind of start? I know you mentioned one or two just a minute ago, but.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so conflict, you know, I, I always see conflict as it's kind of like cholesterol, David, right? There's, there's the good cholesterol and there's the bad cholesterol. And if we don't have the good cholesterol or the good conflict at work, then the relationship dies just, just as much as when we have the bad cholesterol, it just takes a different path. Mm -hmm. We need that good conflict. We need that constructive conflict in the workplace. And before we can have that, we need to have the trust. And that's where I think we fall short. There's, there are a lot of trust issues. That's really the foundation. Um, most of the things that I see uh, come my way or, you know, most of the calls I get are referrals from, you know, other clients. And they say, you know, Carol, can you fix this person? Can you, can you come and and get these people to play nice? Or, you know, this, um, the COO is really, is just not aligned with everybody else or, this managing partner at the law firm is literally throwing chairs across the room uh, and we, we need to, to help them out here and, and help the rest of us out that work with them. And, you know, it, it all stems from, I think, this, this, this broken piece of, of many of us that we have from even our childhood. And we have these beliefs that we have to be a certain way. Or we won't get respect, right? So the people that are throwing chairs across the room, for some reason they, they have so much anger inside, and nobody has taken a step back. Nobody has paused to say, hey, what, what is going on? We just want to judge them, right? We just want to judge and say they're, you know, they're hard to get along with, they're they're uh difficult and toxic people, but you know there's something going on there that hasn't been addressed and it's a cry for help. Honestly, when, when, t- when executives behave like that, they're basically saying I need some help and I don't know how to get it because I can't be vulnerable enough to show that to you. And, um, and so most of what I see is, is just, you know, Hey, help us figure this out because this person is really, driving, you know, the, the team into the ground, the organization into the ground. Um, It's always somebody else's fault. All they do is complain. Um, You know, they're disapproving and critical. They always want to win, be the smartest person in the room. Um, You know, and and it's creating a lot of havoc.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I was uh, in an organization years ago where there were like any organization, several departments, you know, there's there's marketing, there's, you know, what have you, operations. But I was constantly asked by someone in another department from somebody that worked for them in their department. You know, they had great ideas on marketing, and they would they would present them and I knew they just didn't fit in to kind of our organizational goals. And all of a sudden I was the bad guy because mm-hmm. and and it created conflict because now i had the uh the, the impression or people had the impression of me that i wasn't listening but i was listening i just didn't think that what they were giving us for ideas would would fit into what we were doing and that created conflict it created mm-hmm. it created stress so um do you see that as well where somebody actually might be doing the right thing by the organization and still kind of getting, getting in trouble for us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that again comes down to trust. So if, if we have trust, right, if you and I have trust and you disagree with, and I'm your boss, let's say I'm your boss and you disagree with the direction that we're moving or the person that we're bringing in, you can say to me, Hey, Carol, I disagree with that. Right. And here's why just exactly what you did mm-hmm. and if we really have trust, I could say, hey David, thank you so much and, and I, I really appreciate that you were able to voice that and tell me we're still gonna move in this direction because of X, Y, and Z. Well, if we were to do that, right, if, if we had that kind of communication and constructive conflict, then you, David, could say, great, you know, I was heard, I understand and now I can disagree and commit. I can now get on board because you understand me and I, and I was listened to and I wasn't thrown under the bus for having a different opinion.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you could then move forward. But I think, you know, people feel that they either can't speak up because of of that situation or they, they're just gonna kind of sit back and comply and pretend that they're on board and just nod their heads. And then meanwhile, at the water cooler, you know, they show their dissension and, um, and, and, and create a negative cohort, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. So yeah, I do. I see a lot of that.
0: It hmm. you, you kind of alluded it, uh, alluded to it right there, but you know, we all, we all get in disagreements from time to time if we work in an organization and that's fine. Maybe we go back to our desk or like you say, back to the water cooler and Whatever we do our thing, we go back to doing our job and we tackle the next set of whatever problems or what have you. But how do how do you recognize when it's becoming a problem or, you know in an organization? Like I said, we everybody disagrees from time to time. When does it start to become kind of systemic?
1: Well, I'll tell you a story that might illustrate that. So I was working with a CEO who brought me in the The problem that he was having, and they were thriving as an organization the 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 sales the the head of sales and the head of operations were the best of friends they Their teams were getting along great um the The head of sales was a man, and the head of operations was a woman. They were honestly so cohesive, working so efficiently together and then one day they weren't friends. Something happened and they had a big fallout. And two years later, we have two teams, the sales and the operations team, who won't talk to each other. Uh, the, The heads of those teams will not talk to each other. They tell each of their teams that they cannot communicate with anybody on the other team. Now, remember, this is sales and operations. They need each other. Mm, They can't communicate directly with anybody on the other team. They have to go through that person, through that leader, Hmm. if they want to communicate. And so imagine the bottleneck there. And it was just, I mean, it was a horrible place to be. It turned from, you know, a very profitable organization into a dying organization in two years and you know, so to answer your question, when does it, you know, when, when does it start becoming a problem? We can most of the time see it becoming a problem. We know it, our intuition tells us, we see people behaving a certain way, but we turn the other way because we're too busy. People are sticky, it's complicated and we don't want to deal with it. Mm. right? And so we turn the other cheek and pretend it doesn't exist. Until now, two years later, you have a situation where literally the numbers are being affected. I mean, million, they, were, they were starting to lose millions of dollars because of these two teams. And, you know, it's still fixable. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, I talked to each of them. I coached each of them. I got them together with their permission. I helped them see what became possible if they got it together again and what was costing them by having these silos. And in the end, you know, they ended up, I ended up actually taking them to a coffee shop you know, individually and then together. And then we went to a pottery place and I had them build a basket, a pottery basket, where they would have to interweave these, um, you know, these strips and they'd have to have their hands in the same place and while they were doing that, I was feeding them questions, very conversationally around, you know, what becomes possible and what their teams could do and, you know, what's going on now and where they see, you know, the potential on their team. And by the end of that, they were really open to reigniting the relationship. And within two months, we turned it around. And they even had the basket in front, you know, in the, in the front lobby with a sign that says sales and operations working together for a higher purpose. And they really, I mean, it it just, it turned back around and it was all about relationships. So it's amazing to see what happens. I mean, the reason why people call me is because they don't want to deal with that. And unfortunately they don't see it or they see it, but they don't, they don't address it quickly enough.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So, so that's why, I mean, managers are, spending 50% of their time, David, in some sort of a conflict resolution or, or destructive conflict time suck. 50% of their time.
0: I, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. can totally see that. Yeah. The, uh, so so you got a little creative instead of having people quit or get fired.
1: <laughs> and that was the situation. One of them, what, that's what the CEO told me, that one of them was going to have to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I would imagine that's typically the solution, correct?
1: Yeah, it's the easiest solution.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah. So um, talk about good conflict because I know that that there can be constructive conflict, correct? Where we can actually get things done. Yes. So talk about where that fits into an organization and, and how to... Um, uh, how to foster that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that goes back to the good cholesterol, right? We need to have it for healthy relationships. Uh, so we all start out at a place of judging. We love to judge each other. We love to judge ourselves. We do it all day long. We are always in that space. And you know, if we want, if we really want to get from a place of judging to a place of valuing people. We have to go through, a, through some steps along the way. And in order to get from a place of judging to maybe understanding somebody else's point of view, understanding that there is no right or wrong, but different perspectives, understanding and respecting somebody's opinion, and then even appreciating that difference to the point where you value their, their difference you know, their difference of opinion, their difference of style, that you understand why they rub you the wrong way because they are driven by different things. Mm. Um, and and you create a level of trust through every interaction. I mean, that's where the gold is. It's through every interaction with your boss, with with your colleague. It, it's It's understanding that the difference of opinion, the constructive conflict, the... I don't understand why we're doing this. Please help me understand. And here's where I think we should go. It's fostering and allowing that, that will get us from a place of this judging scenario to a place of valuing and really allowing people to thrive and be innovative and, and take the company to where it needs to go because we're allowing that to flourish instead of, you know, either you look good or I look good or, you know, I'm going to take credit for whatever you come up with because that's going to make me look better. Um, Or, you know, you're, you're creating problems for our team. And so I'm just going to let you go. I mean, you know, 65% of performance problems. And I say that with quotes are really not performance problems. They are strained relationships that look like performance problems. Mm. It's people not knowing how to start the conversation, how to say to their boss, hey, listen, I have a difference of opinion. It's because they don't trust that it will be accepted. And it's their livelihood. Yes. And let's be honest, right? It's, it's their livelihood. Mm-hmm. So it starts at the top, David. It's, it's like a chocolate fountain. Yes. It starts at the top. And uh, you know, if we have clean chocolate, yummy milk chocolate at the top, <laughs> Then the next layer is going to be clean and yummy. And then the next layer is going to be clean and yummy. But, you know, if we start off with mucky, dirty chocolate at the top, where people are not behaving in a way that brings out their best self as a leader, then by the time we get to that third layer, people are just looking for an out and, um, and, it, and it's terrible. And you can feel it in the air. You can see it in their faces. Uh, and, and you know and they end up coming to work with you know they come with their physical body and they leave their soul in bed
0: yeah yeah the um so let's kind of you've mentioned a, a few of them already but you know we talk about distractions here so like i said we mentioned time management or things that get in our way of actually kind of getting what we need to get done but mm-hmm. you know talk about. Talk about the distractions that this um, this issue brings into an organization. I mean, there's, there's obviously distractions, like you mentioned, the company losing millions of dollars, mm-hmm. uh, but just the personal distractions as well. So, how does it how does it take an organization off track?
1: So, everything is around relationships, unless we have robots in our company, and you know now with uh, AI, uh, we, we do, right. But, um, everything is around relationships and the distractions, you know, the minute we, that we only pay attention to the results and we don't pay attention to the people or what they're going through or, you know, or, or really open up dialogue. That's where we start to destroy a company because even though the numbers might be there, it's a slow death and that you don't see until later when now you've got people that aren't working well together and kind of like my example, and, and now the numbers are gonna start moving backwards. And it's really, most of the time, it could be a simple thing that happens between two people and it turns into a bigger thing that you know, 12 years later, they're still car- carrying around um but, so in terms of your question with distractions you know i think the biggest distraction is ourselves
0: mm.
1: i think uh you know the the thoughts that we have about people the beliefs that we create around people uh are the biggest distraction to really being efficient and productive in the workforce and um i mean if you think about it negative thoughts are really do to two things, right? Negative thoughts and actions in the workplace are, are really due to two things. And the first thing is that we're thinking about ourselves. It's always me, 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 I, I, I. How did you victimize me? How did you hurt me? Um, what was the effect on me? What was the impact of what you did on me? It's all about me, yeah. me. Um, and that creates a lot of negative and destructive thoughts and emotions. And the second piece is believing that the reality you're seeing is the reality, right? Believing that there is a reality, that there is, <laughs> what you see is real. That's the second piece.
0: And that's that, different for everybody, right?
1: Exactly. There is yeah. no reality.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: perception. And and so when we fall into the trap of thinking oh yeah did you see that did you see what he did and this showed this you know this was evidence that you know he he only believes in himself and he only cares about himself and you know that he hates me or that he doesn't believe in this project you know there is another option everything we see isn't what it seems it rarely is and so those two things are the pitfalls that I think create the biggest distraction for us, David, is is getting stuck in those, in the me, 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 and in believing that what you see is actually reality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned your pottery example, which mm-hmm. I thought was genius. <laughs> <laughs> but talk to us a little bit about um, organization brings you in. They say, hey, Carol, we got some stuff going on here. We'd love you to come in and help us chart a different course. What do you kind of do when you kind of get into that uh, organization? How do you get the how do you get the ball rolling and, and get them started on a, a path?
1: That's a great question. So the first thing I have them understand is that nobody lives in an island. And so these people that are problem people that they bring me to help or even a CEO, I just got called yesterday for a CEO that isn't, you know, he's just not seeing the people side of the business and, uh, and it's destroying everybody else. And and so what I help them understand is that it's not a matter of fixing anybody. It's a matter of understanding that everybody lives with everybody else. They're not in an Island. And so we enable certain behaviors. We tolerate Certain behaviors, and we're all part of that. It's not just one person doing this. It's how they're living in our environment, and so I like to take a group approach. I and then start the executive coaching with whoever wants it and needs it. But I like to get everybody aligned on basically a communication language that everyone can use in the workplace. Um, have everybody understand why certain people behave a certain way and why it's not about them, why they're not trying to hurt them when it seems that they are, why they're sometimes very blunt and, um, and they seem uncaring when they really do care, uh, and just trying to get them to understand and, again, go from that place of judgment to a place of understanding mm-hmm. and valuing other people. So I always try to begin with that. And then we move into designing a culture so literally designing daily behaviors that they want to be held accountable for and they hold others accountable for. And by them designing it, there's automatic buy-in. So there's no, you know, it's not the CEO or the marketing team saying, this is what our culture is. This is what you want to live by. It's No, this is what we decided that we wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do this, this amazing uh, immersion exercise where – They actually, they get to talk about things that they've been holding onto for years in a way that they don't feel they're going to be ostracized or or something bad is going to happen. There's no retaliation. So my methodology allows them to get these things out into the open, just to be able to have a tough conversation around it and clear the air and move forward. And so I teach them how to have tough conversations. I teach them how to rebuild relationships through tough conversations and turn people around where they once were your enemy and now they're your biggest, biggest proponent. Mm. So, um, so it's a combination, David, of, you know, having group sessions and, and tweets, and then also one-on-one work, uh, and group coaching sessions as well.
0: Mm. You ever, you ever watch Bar Rescue where the guy goes in and rescues the bar and, the 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 manager or the owner is always you know sitting at the bar and drinking the profits and yeah. <laughs> but the guy goes in and gets his gets and probably not your strategy but the, the guy gets in and he gets his employees to confront the boss because their actions are are uh you know like the bartender or the waiters or the waitresses. You know, they're, you know, they're not making the tips that they should make or they're, you know, they're not making the money because this guy's running the business under the ground, but he gets them to confront their boss all the time. So
1: that's exactly it. That's what I, that's what I do. But I do it in a way where they feel comfortable and they feel like we're moving forward instead of being the scared person they have been for years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what if people just can't get along? Have, have you gotten to a point where you've just, all right, we've tried all these things. Some of these people are just not getting along. What what happens then?
1: Absolutely. I'll tell you another scenario. I, uh, a CEO called and, and said, you know, um, his, uh, the executive team wasn't working well. And, um, and then she, she was, she, she was telling me about specifically this one person who reported to her. Uh, And I'll tell you the scenario because I think stories really bring it to life. Mm -hmm. So the CEO was a woman in her early 50s. The COO was a woman in her late 60s. She was the founder of the organization. And then uh, the head of uh, business development was a male Hispanic in his 40s. Now, the person that was throwing the CEO under the bus at every turn was the the male. And you know, I I never saw that. You know, I don't I don't go in and say, oh, she's female, she's he's male. He's you know, I just look at the whole situation. I talk to the whole team, and it took about three independent one-on-one coaching sessions for the business development uh, guy to tell me that at the end of the day, there's nothing she's going to be able to do that's going to be right because she she should never be CEO of this organization or any organization because women CEOs should not exist. And, um, and in this particular organization, having a white female CEO is not going to work. And he feels very strongly that, you know, it should be a male Hispanic. And, um, and so, you know, there was, it was beliefs that he's had for many years and um, and you know, I could work with him on that and, and it could take a while, a very long while. or you know, he wanted to leave. she wanted him to leave, but neither one wanted a, a conflict around it. So I helped I helped them separate in a way that was a win-win for both of them mm-hmm. and, and see the possibility of, you know what could happen if they do separate. I mean, the answer isn't always stay together. I think that sometimes it is a better, a better solution to say it's it's time it's time to separate you go where you feel that you belong best and you know and you go where you feel you belong best
0: yeah no it's a great point yeah. and and in the end like you say you've you've resolved the conflict ultimately
1: yes yeah
0: so give us your your top tips on taming the lions as we kind of wrap up a little bit what's your kind of top tips that people should be looking for how they can uh fix things in the short term what are your kind of go to things
1: you got it so yeah. the first thing i would say is um figure out if it's really worth resolving it because if it's not worth resolving it then you're not really going to show up and you're not going to do the hard work uh the second the second thing is to understand yourself you know what is it costing you what becomes possible if this is resolved and understand, understanding of those two things that I mentioned is, you know, are you in that space of me, 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 and, and thinking that everything you see is reality, or could you possibly be wrong and have some blind spots? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would say, seek to understand, seek to understand the other person, have a curious mind, go beyond the surface of what you see. Go, you know, figure out what's driving them. What is it really that 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 drives them to behave a certain way? That's beyond work. What it's costing them. What what becomes possible for them. And and remember to never 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 go into something because you want vengeance or you know you're pretending that you don't but you really want vengeance or you really want to stick it to them or you really you know you want to show how horrible they are if that's your if if that's the goal then i would say you know be very clear about that and pause and 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 don't do anything because that's gonna basically just bury you right into the ground yeah um and then just understand where you're willing to be flexible where you're not, you know what are your needs and goals, and um, and then what are theirs, and how best to communicate with them, uh, and and what to avoid, and ultimately I would say the biggest thing is understand the difference between reacting and responding, and if you react, you're going to give over your power to somebody else, and if you respond take the moment to pause and figure out really where this person might be coming from instead of just reacting and meeting them in a toxic place. Respond like a leader, respond from a wise, your wise self. Um, and, and, and take that relationship to the next level through the conflict. I think that's, that's the best thing that I can tell you.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this has been very educational i really like your approach and and i think uh as we mentioned there's not uh or there i I don't think people maybe see this as a distraction but it's probably a huge distraction so and i think if they look at it that way they can help their organization regardless of the size so this has been very helpful please tell everybody how they can find you how they can get a hold of you uh how they can work with you
1: Absolutely. Thank you, David. My website is leadershipandsoul.com or executiveliontamer.com. Uh, so leadership and soul is leadership, and then the letter N is in Nancy, and then the word soul, S O U L.com. My email address is Carol at leadership and, soul, and my phone number is 951 888 5857. And I'll even give you my cell phone number it's 714 568 8424.
0: Awesome, and I'll have all that in the show notes so people can just click on your website, And but uh, this has been very helpful. So thank you so much for your time, this has been great.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, David, and thank you. Thank you for allowing me to help. I really appreciate it.
0: Sure, sure, all right, we'll chat soon. Thank you. That's it, folks, another edition of Overcoming Distractions, the podcast has come to an end. Hope you're inspired, hope you've learned something. Check overcomingdistractions.com for more podcasts, video blogs, and uh, up-to-date info on books and more books. We'll uh, we'll catch you on the next one.